Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. When you suffer, does God feel sorry for you? And if He does, so what? How does that help you? The answers to those two questions are crucial for understanding the nature of God and for growing in our relationship to Him. God doesn't want to bring grief into your life. He hates seeing you suffer. He doesn't enjoy it, but he forces himself to do it anyway because he knows it's ultimately what's best for you. It quite literally hurts him more than it hurts you because he, he loves you more than you love you. So God has compassion. He feels for you. Now, how does that help? So you're suffering. What good does it do you in your suffering to know that it hurts God? Well... How many of you have ever seen a little child run in with a, little, a scrape or something? Mommy, mommy, I got hurt. And, and, and she says, oh, let me see. And then she kisses the little injury and then he stops crying and he's happy. He's fine. He goes and run, run off to play. You ever seen that? Happens all the time. The pain of the wound is bearable to him as long as he doesn't have to bear it without the, the mother's kiss of compassion. As long as he knows that She's seen it, and she knows how much it hurts, and feels for him. Now he's strong enough to bear the suffering. How does, how does that work? How can he go from being crying, unable to bear the suffering, to being just fine and able to bear the suffering? Is that just a child being irrational? We know a kiss doesn't have any medical benefit, right? Is, is he just being irrational? If so, then why do we still do it as adults? I mean, something something really painful happens to you, and what do, what do you do? You you mention it to your wife, you mention it to your husband, you, you your friends. You might post it on Facebook, whatever. You you want people to know, and it's not enough to just say what happened. You need to make sure that they understand how much it hurt, or how uncomfortable it was, right? How irritating it was. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Is it just because it's somehow therapeutic to just talk about it? No, we know that's not it. We know that's not it because. Because if, if you're talking to your enemy, you don't want him to know how much you're suffering. You know, if he's glad to hear about the suffering, then you don't want to say, you don't want him. So it's not that it's just therapeutic to talk about it. You only want to talk about it to people who will sympathize, right? You might have outgrown the practice of running to your mom and having her kiss your elbow, but none of us have outgrown the deep craving that God put in us for sympathy. We all have that. You've heard that saying, a joy shared is a double joy, but a sorrow shared is a half a sorrow? That's really true. If someone else is happy because you're happy, you're even happier. And if someone else is sad because you're sad, that actually reduces your pain. God has given us that ability. It's amazing. If you and the other person both love each other, then their compassion really can reduce the intensity of your pain. Which is why Satan is always trying to get you to suffer alone, right? He's always trying to get you to withdraw when you suffer. 
So there's nothing childish at all about wanting someone to feel sorry for you. That's not bad. It's, there's nothing childish about wanting someone to feel sorry for you because feeling sorry, compassion is an expression of love. That's why it feels good. It's, it feels good when people show compassion to you because it feels good to be loved. And there's nothing wrong with desiring love. But here's the thing. You can tell whose love you care about most by whose compassion you most crave. I don't really care if some random guy on the street feels sorry for me if I'm hurting. I do want Tracy to feel sorry for me if I'm hurting. Because I like her compassion. I care more about her compassion because I care more about her love. Her love matters to me more than anybody else's love. I value and treasure her love more than I value and treasure anybody else's love, and that's why her compassion means more to me than someone else's. So so what does it say about me if God's compassion on me means nothing? If I read in the Bible about God's compassion for me being great, and that has no emotional impact on me and my suffering, I can only think of three possibilities. Either I don't believe it's true, or I don't love God enough for his compassion to matter. Or, the only other thing I can think of is I do believe it's true, and I do love God, it does matter to me, but I just don't think about it enough for, or have enough awareness of it, for have it to have any impact on my emotions. How different would our lives be if we spent just five minutes a day more than we already do thinking about what God is like. If it was just more in the front of our thinking. When you're trying something and it might fail, but it doesn't fail, it succeeds, instead of just saying, next time that happens, instead of just saying, oh, thank you, God, how about stopping for a moment and considering the possibility that here's what happened. God looked down on you, he saw you struggling, and he was moved with compassion because of his love for you, and he granted the good outcome, the successful outcome, because of his compassion. Read the Psalms, and you'll see that's how they thought. That's how they interpreted things. If your paycheck is a little more than you expected, if dinner tastes a little better than usual, if you really get a, get, get a great deal on something, and on a sale that you're buying, uh, or, or you're finally able to figure out a problem that's just been bugging you and you've been struggling, or, or someone who, who hurt you finally apologizes or something goes right, connect the dots with God's compassion. God looked down, saw me struggling, had compassion. That should be the conclusion. Oh, evidently, God's feeling sorry for me, so he, he let this thing work out. What if we all just resolve to, to try to spend five more minutes a day thinking about what God is like? Five more than we already spent. When you read your Bible and you run across any kind of direct statement about this is what God is like, uh, man, every time that happens, like it's happening here in verse 11, stop and savor those. Think through the implications of those. If it says the Lord is full of compassion and mercy, stop and, and, and apply that to some hard situations in your life over the last 24 hours and some things that you anticipate happening later on today. 
apply that to that moment when you look at your credit card bill and you see that this, the size of the debt and you're just overwhelmed with feelings of guilt and fear and worry and regret and anxiety. How am I ever going to pay this off? I'm never going to get out of the hole. And Realize God is looking at you at that moment. He knows the exact combination of feelings that, that are racking your soul and it racks his soul. When you look in the mirror and what you see, you just, you just like there's way more than what you wanted to see, or, or there's, it's just it, it makes you feel ugly, or you f- feel like a failure, it makes you feel worthless, it makes you feel. God is right there next to you, feeling what you're feeling. It hurts him. It hurts him deep in his stomach, as it were, and and he sees what you're going through. When your wife talks to you like you're a child or your husband treats you like a piece of furniture and that, you get that feeling of this sinking despair and hopelessness hopelessness because it's probably never going to change. There's pain in heaven when that happens. In the heart of God as he sits down and looks down at you, his precious child, in despair and in distress. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. O Lord, they will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and have comforted me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You, O Lord, 
are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.